Hello, and welcome to the annual kids episode of Scare You to Sleep. I'm Shelby, and I'm going to be reading you some spooky stories for kids by kids. Just a note before we begin for parents and guardians, please check out the show notes for notes and trigger warnings to decide if you might want to give the episode a listen before you let your own little ones dive in. Enough of my yammering, we have ghosts and ghouls and creepy crawlies to get to. Are you ready? Are you sure? Okay, here we go. Liana, age three and a half. Once upon a time, there was a little pumpkin. A Halloween girl got some presents. Ho-Ho got the girl some presents. The pumpkin got a present too. The green goblin went to gymnastics. Sienna, three and a half. Scarlet Witch did gymnastics. Green Goblin was there too. They were hanging on the monkey bars. Rhino was there fighting Spider-Man. They were all drinking milk and eating bones and chicken. Then a lot of high fives. Danica, age five and a half. Elisa and Anna went to Elisa's castle in the snow. Then Olaf and Kristoff and Sven came to the mountains with them in their sled. And they found a person named Danica that was wearing a superhero costume. She had a rope and climbing powers. She then helped them find their way out of the woods and a cave. They followed Danica out of the woods, and Mommy is with me. And then we walked to our house. A dragon scared Elsa and Anna last night, and in the morning, it was not there. The next night, Danica and Elisa fought the dragon together. We punched and kicked the dragon. The dragon then died. Then Elisa and Danica saved the world. This story is by Remy, six years old. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Daffodil. Someone knocked on her door and she went to get it. And then no one was there. Then when she was going back upstairs, she went to bed and someone knocked on the door again. And then when she saw no one was there, she went to go back and someone killed her. She was never seen or heard about again. Not even her dead body was found. The Unseen Killer by Ella Marie Barber, age seven. It was a cold, stormy night when Ella Morgan woke up to something dripping on her face. She looked up and it was blood. She ran to her parents' room, but all she saw was blood. So she ran downstairs, grabbed her little brother and sister, and ran to her neighbor's house, where her best friend Maddie lived. They ran and hid in her room until they got the cops to pick up the phone. Then, the cops asked them so many questions that it woke up her siblings, and they started screaming and crying. Ella decided to sleep over at Maddie's house so she could keep them all safe. Ella said to Maddie, We need to get out of here before the person that killed my parents comes back for us. Maddie agreed. They grabbed their stuff, got their siblings, and took a cab to L.A. When they got to L.A., they checked into a hotel, sat down, and had some room service breakfast. Maddie told Ella that she was going to enroll her siblings in preschool so that she could get a job, and Maddie could get a car to take them to school and pick them up from school. Luckily, 
Maddie and Ella graduated from high school and they were already adults. Ella said to Maddie, We should get backpacks for my siblings and take them to the park. Maddie agreed, so they went and got some money so they could do that and get a house and pay rent. While Ella was at the store with her siblings, she spotted her boyfriend with another girl. Her boyfriend kissed this girl, so Ella walked up and slapped him. When Ella got back, she saw that Maddie was dead. She had been hung and stabbed in the stomach. She grabbed her siblings, they ran, and never came back. She moved into a house with her siblings, Carly and Freddie, who were twins. Their birthday was coming up on Saturday, but Maddie's ghost followed them. Carly and Freddie told Ella that they were hearing strange noises coming from the attic. When Ella went up to the attic, she found a dog. She brought the dog downstairs and showed her siblings. They decided to name him Kiko. On Monday, Ella was walking her siblings to school and they saw Kiko dead on the sidewalk. He was puking blood, his nose was cut off, and he had a knife stuck in his face. A couple days went by and it became Saturday. When they were opening presents, Carly got the doll that she had always wanted. Her name was Liz. Freddie got a bike. Ella told her siblings that they could play with their toys for an hour. After that, they had to come down for dinner. After that, Ella put them to sleep. Ella sat down on the couch after putting them to sleep. She was scrolling through Netflix when she heard Carly get up and run into her room with the doll in her hand. Ella went up to her room and saw Carly cutting up her favorite dress. Ella started to yell at Carly. Carly started to cry and yell. She ran to her room and went to sleep. In the morning, Carly told Ella that the doll had told her to do it. Ella said, dolls can't talk. Carly mumbled, but, 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 and Ella said, but nothing. Right before she went to her room, she pushed Ella onto the floor. She got off the floor and went and got Carly out of her room and took her to the timeout room in the basement. Ella locked her sister in the basement, but when Ella went back to her room, she saw Carly's doll on her bed with a knife in her hand. The doll was talking. She was humming a creepy song that ended with, You will die. The doll plunged her knife into Ella's stomach and then went after Freddy and killed him. The doll then went downstairs and chopped off Carly's head. The doll now runs around town killing people. The End This story is by Sully, who is nine years old. Once upon a time, a boy named Joseph. He was ten. He lived on Graveyard Street. He had chickpeas and beetroot soup on Wednesday. When he went to bed, he woke up at 3 a.m. He heard something under his bed. So he got up and checked, and he disappeared. The next day, he had school. His alarm went off, his parents called him, and he didn't answer. So they went up, opened the door, and screamed. There were his clothes where he went missing. They called the police. The police didn't answer. The parents died that night and the boy was never seen again. The Well by Jensen Horn, age nine. A long time ago, a little boy named Bob went to get water from a well. 
He lived in a small village in South Florida. They had a town well. It was about 5.56, so he had to get water for supper. It was his chore. He put his bucket in, and a long, gray arm emerged from the water. It was skinny and veiny with monstrous claws. It pulled him under. Suddenly, he felt the temperature drop. He tried to swim out, but he failed. He was submerged underwater for too long. He had drowned. Once his parents found out, they went looking for a whole week, but nothing came of it. One week later, the dad heard something. It was Bob saying, Papa? Bob's dad grabbed his homemade knife off the nightstand and tiptoed out so his wife didn't hear him. He walked outside over to the sounds. He looked down the well. It was dry. He heard it louder. Papa? Then he saw a ladder he climbed down. The ladder was moldy. He got down and saw his son. Bob was near a big hole. Bob's father ran and picked up his son. Bob twisted his neck all the way around. Then he whispered, Papa, then screamed, And we have yet another Jensen. This is The Beast by Jensen, age 10. Once there were two brothers named Zach and Isaac. On this day, the boys had decided to move away from home and buy a new house. The house they bought was brand new and fancy, but sat down the road from an old abandoned house. Zack looked at his brother and suggested they go over to the old house and investigate. Fine, Zack replied. Once inside, they decided it would be fun to spend the night and investigate further. Isaac decided to look out the window into the backyard. He was shocked to see a woman in a white robe standing facing the forest that sat behind the house. Suddenly, from the trees emerged two giant, ghostly white hands. The hands grabbed the woman and pulled her into the forest. Then, crawling out of the forest, came a beast with a giraffe-shaped head with sharp fangs and glowing red eyes. Then the beast came running towards the house through the backyard. Isaac went running into the living room where his brother Zack was. The beast came crashing through the glass. While Isaac told his brother what happened, the beast snuck upstairs and hid in a closet. Zack did not believe his brother and convinced him to go upstairs and go to bed. In the middle of the night, the monster burst through the closet door. The brothers woke up and ran out of the room. As they were running, the beast caught Isaac by the leg and threw him into the door. Zack grabbed Isaac and they ran home, barely making it out. When home, they called their parents to tell them what had happened. Their parents advised them to never go back to that house. The beast was never seen again. Or was it? The end. The Haunted Hotel by Desmond Olke, age 11. Chapter 1 
Room 666. How long is the campsite? David asked again. For the last time, we are 20 miles away. Adrian yelled loudly. Guys, don't yell. There's a hotel right there, near the lake. June said to calm Adrian. It's probably two-starred for a reason, Sammy said. Oh, don't worry. It'll be fine, Henry said to Sammy, convincingly. The five teens were looking for a nice campsite in silent streams and stopped to rest at a hotel for the night. Excuse me, sir? Yes? We'd like to book a room for the night, if there's any, David said to the receptionist. Well, sure. You can have the sixth floor key card, the receptionist said as he handed them the key card. Room 666. Thank you, sir. Have a nice night, Henry said as the teens got into the elevator. Room 666 is a weird number, huh? June asked. I've heard of it, but I don't know what it means. Adrian said. Let's just focus on finding our room. As they got out of the elevator, the room had two beds, a couch, a TV, a bedroom, and a lamp. Well, uh, do you all want to sleep? Sammy yawned to the gang. Sure, June said. Why not? Henry said. Okay, Adrian said. Nah, David said. I'm watching TV. Just not too loud, okay, David? Sammy said. Okay, not too loud, David said. Chapter 2 The Dream Sammy, remember me? I'm your old pal, Ziad. I've been waiting for this moment for a while. Remember, James? You thought I was gone, didn't you? Now, it's time to kill you and your precious friends. <laughs> oh no, not again. I'm sorry, James. Sorry I left. I could have saved you. Sammy cried out. I already got Timmy. Now, it's your turn. <laughs> Man, this is so tiring. <laughs> oh no, not again, Sammy said, closing his eyes. Chapter 3, 3 a.m. Sammy awoke in a cold sweat. Sammy? Are you okay? Henry said sleepily. Yeah, I'm fine, Sammy replied. Where's David? He's probably in the bathroom, Henry said, as he rolled back into a deep sleep. Sammy got up and checked the bathroom. He wasn't in there. Quickly, Sam woke everyone up, telling them David was nowhere to be found. Everyone got up and searched the hotel floor. Where is David? We have to find him, June said with frustration. Finally, when the group came across room 635, 
they found David on the floor, teeth chattering. David, are you okay? Adrian asked. They're in the walls! They're in the walls! David screamed. Suddenly, there was this awful noise, a sound of an unknown creature shrieking. Then, the walls started getting huge cracks in them. Then millions of hands started coming out of nowhere. June screamed as a hand grabbed her and dragged her into the depths of hell. Chapter 4 The Chase June! Henry screamed. Everybody run! Sammy screamed. They rushed towards the stairs. However, Adrian rushed to the elevator. Just then, the elevator broke and fell to the ground floor. Adrian's last words were, as he got crushed to a pulp. Henry! Sammy cried out as he wiped a tear. They got to the third floor, but then the stairs cracked, and they ran and hid in a hotel room. It's time to end it all, Sam said. He headed towards Ziad and his giant army of demons. Leave me alone! Sam shouted and felt a surge of energy coming from his hands. No! Ziad yelled. He disappeared. For now. Sam collapsed on the floor. Sam! Sam! Wake up! Two days later, Sam woke up in a hospital bed with his friends Henry and David next to him. What happened? Sam asked. Don't worry. The demon is gone. We're free now. It's all over. Henry said with a grin. Sam grinned too. Little did they know how this wasn't the end. It was only the beginning. To be continued? The Storm by Paige Kalimnik, age 11. Water dripped down the window. Pounding hammered the glass. Bob and Marla huddled together in Marla's small bed during the ferocious storm. When lightning flashed, the children clutched each other in fear. Mommy? Daddy? Bob and Marla cried. Outside, the lightning struck a pine tree. The children screamed as the tree crashed into the moist, slimy ground. The house shook. Then, everything went black. What's going to happen to us, sis? Bob asked. I really don't know, said Marla. Time stretched on, and the storm began to wane. Eventually, the children drifted off to sleep, still holding on to one another. In the morning, the storm had ended, and sunshine broke through the curtains in the children's room. As brother and sister rubbed their eyes, they heard someone coming up the stairs. Mommy! Daddy! They screamed happily. The footsteps paused outside the door as the doorknob turned. Marla held her breath, 
as the door creaked open, and tufts of bright red hair peeked around the doorframe. Mommy? She asked. The door opened wider as a head popped around the door. Instead of their mother or father, the children saw a greasy white ball of a head with bright red hair. The head had eyes and a nose painted like a clown's, and red dripped out of its mouth. Mommy can't hear you now, the clown said. Now, who's next? You know, one thing I've always struggled with is finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. Plus, I am not the best with numbers. But now, I use Rocket Money and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. And I know you do not have the time or mental bandwidth to deal with customer service, but don't worry, they'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 5 hundred million dollars in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. That's rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. Rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. The Deck by Aiden De La Rosa, and he is 12. I was on my way home from school when I passed an old creepy house. I saw that on what remained of the front lawn, now overgrown with weeds, there was a sign staked into the ground. It read, Help Wanted, $200 payment, call 555-387-3309 for more information. I decided to call the number. I figured I could use the money, whether for games to play on my new gaming system or lunch money. Hello? The voice that answered was female, old and raspy. She introduced herself as Margaret Larson. After a minute of silence on her end, I realized that she wanted me to introduce myself as well. So I gave her my name. She told me that she was looking for someone to clean out her house. She was moving to New York, and the old house was going to be torn down. She was given a week to get everything out. She also said that I could keep whatever I wanted. I thought this was strange. I mean, I know that sometimes when someone is moving, they have to get rid of stuff to make room for more furniture or other stuff. But 
Letting me keep anything I wanted? That just didn't make any sense. Before I could ask the old lady about it, she told me that I could start right away and that I could pick up my payment in a week here at the old house. With that, she hung up. I continued home. I told my mom about the job and she seemed happy about it. I assumed it was because I usually played video games in my free time. The next day, I got up early before school to go and evaluate how much work would need to be done. Luckily, there wasn't much. The biggest pieces of furniture in the house were a twin-sized bed, a couch, and a chair. There was also an old TV resting on a small TV stand. In a corner of the living room, there was a box of knickknacks, the most interesting of which were an old Rubik's Cube, a small wooden hawk, and an oddly decorated deck of playing cards. After I went through some more of the house, I realized with a start that I was late for school. I grabbed my bag and ran out the door. I went through my usual school day thinking about that weird deck of cards. I had never seen anything like it. Finally, after what seemed forever, the school bell sounded and all of the students were dismissed. I rushed home to drop off my books and homework and, after eating a quick snack, ran to the old house to start work. I thought the first thing I should do was gather all of the small items, like what was in that first box I saw, into a pile. Then I could look at it and decide if I wanted to keep anything. I found the box I was looking for and emptied its contents into my new pile. I searched the pile for the deck of cards. I wanted to know what kind of cards they were. When I found them, I took out my phone, took a picture of the cards, and entered the picture into the search engine. I opened the first website that popped up. It said that they were voodoo cards, rare cards that come from the African country Benin, the birthplace of voodoo. I don't know why, but I really wanted those cards, and Ms. Larson said I could keep anything I wanted. I put the cards in my pocket and continued to locate and move the boxes of small items into the living room. But how much dust and cobwebs there were in the house? You wouldn't have thought anyone had lived there in a very long time. Maybe that was the case as Ms. Larson hadn't said she was living there. She just said she was moving and she needed this house cleaned out. For all I knew, she had inherited the house and was now getting rid of it. It was none of my business though. My job was simply to clean out the house. After another hour of searching the house for stuff to put into the pile, I decided to call it quits and go home. I forgot about the deck of cards that I had in my pocket until I had gotten home. I wasn't sure what to do with the voodoo cards. Finally, after a while of pondering what to do with the cards, I positioned the voodoo cards to play a game of solitaire. I realized right away that playing solitaire would be hard since there were no numbers on the cards, only pictures. I continued on with the game anyway, knowing that over time I could create a new way to play solitaire. I drew a card from the deck and I heard a startling crash coming from the kitchen. Without even putting the card I had drawn down, I ran to the kitchen to see what had happened. What I saw nearly made me sick. There, lying in a pool of dark blood, was my cat with a large knife wound in her side. My parents dug a small hole in our backyard to bury my cat. Once they put her in, they went inside to clean up the blood. I stayed outside though. I felt like I couldn't move. We couldn't figure out what had happened. 
No windows were broken, and we hadn't heard the door open or close. No signs that someone had broken into our house. Besides, who would break into a house, kill a cat, and leave without stealing anything? After a while, we came to the unlikely conclusion that Chloe, which was my cat's name, had knocked over a knife on the counter and it had impaled her. None of us were really satisfied with that, but we decided to wait until the next day to investigate further. My parents had made some arrangements for me to stay home for the rest of the week. Honestly, I would have welcomed the distraction of school. Instead, I had to stay home and be reminded of how Chloe died, with that large, gross gash along her side. When I was going to bed that night, I saw that I had not put away my card game. I also remembered the card that I had put in my pocket earlier. I pulled it out of my pocket and I nearly dropped the card in surprise when I saw what was on it. A picture of a cat with a long, bloody knife in its side. I couldn't think straight. Why was there a dead cat on this card? Was it connected to Chloe's death? Should I show the cards to my parents? Should I ask Margaret Larson, the woman that these cards had once belonged to? Yes. I decided I would ask her the next day. It was too late now. So the next day, I gathered up the cards and set out to the house in hopes that Ms. Larson might be there. Sadly, she wasn't. Nor was the house. I hadn't realized it had been a week since I started working cleaning out the old house. The demolition workers must have torn down the house today or the day before. Disappointed, I returned home, but before I got there, I remembered that I still had Ms. Larson's phone number. Brightening up, I pulled out my phone and called her. It rang several times, but no one picked up. I tried two more times, and on the third try, someone answered the phone. It was a young lady, sounding maybe in her twenties. I asked her where Ms. Larson was, and when she answered... She sounded confused. Miss Larson? I'm afraid I don't know who that is. Came her quiet voice. I said I must have gotten the number wrong, apologized for wasting her time, and hung up. I looked in my contact list to see what Miss Larson's number was, but couldn't find it. The people who had taken down the house also removed the sign. There was nothing left for me to do, but go home. When I got home, I made myself a sandwich, got a soda, and went to my room. Once I finished my snack, I took out the cards from my pocket. I had shuffled the dead cat card back into the deck, so I had to draw cards until I got the card I was looking for. The first three cards I drew were blank, but the fourth had a picture of an old woman lying dead on the ground. No blood, She was just lying on the ground, dead. I don't know why anyone would make such horrible cards. Even though I was tired, I didn't think I could fall asleep. I must have because I woke up to the sound of my mom crying in the other room. I ripped off the blankets and jumped out of bed to see what was wrong. She told me her mom had died from a heart attack. I was never close to my grandma. She didn't like me very much, and I didn't like her. 
The only time we ever talked was when my mom made me go visit her, and only a few polite greetings at that. I couldn't help feeling guilty, though, as mom told me she had died. I should have spent more time with her, gotten to know her better. Now, I never could. I didn't know how to comfort my mom. So when my dad got home from work shortly after my mom had told me what had happened, I went to my room. Once again, I saw those gruesome cards on my desk. I went to throw them away, and it dawned on me. The picture of the dead cat with a knife in its side? That was Chloe. And the old woman lying on the ground, dead? That was Grandma. These cards must predict the future, I thought to myself. I didn't want to draw another card in fear of what I might see. But I had to know. I had to know what was going to happen next. So I reached for the card at the top of the deck. Then I thought, what if these cards didn't predict the future? What if they made the future? I tried to pull my hand back, but I found that I couldn't. It was like some invisible force was pulling my hand towards the deck of cards. Slowly, I drew from the top of the deck. There it was. A boy. A boy about my age. With the same shoes. Same clothes. Same general look as me, except for one thing. He had no head. Thankfully, I had mine. I sighed in relief. That was until I turned to see a figure behind me. A figure dressed in black, bringing a giant, bloodied axe down on top of me. The end. This submission is a little different. Here is a note from Mom Natalie. I've attached a submission for the kids' Halloween show. It was a group effort from three of my kids working together over the summer. It's by Evie, age 9, Millie, age 10, and Harry, age 12. This is Haunted Mysteries, The Horror School. Chapter 1 I am Amelia, and I am a 12-year-old girl who goes to Fern Middle School. It all started when me and my three friends snuck into the school office together to find their permanent records. When we picked the lock off the record cabinet, I started flipping through the records. Towards the end of the records, I started to see bits of red stamped across the corner. I stopped flipping to see what they were, Marked in red ink, it said, Missing. As I read the words so clear on the page, my friends started to mutter and whisper. We decided to investigate. That night, I gathered my bag because me and my friend decided to have a sleepover. We climbed out the window while it was still pitch black. They slid down the roof and landed on their trampoline. They pulled out their torches, which glowed like the moon. We climbed over the fence and followed the moonlit path, which led to the school gates. The tops of the school gates were covered with long, sharp spikes that almost touched the sky 
I asked if anybody had a hairpin on them. Evie, my dearest friend, who went to lockpicking school, always kept hairpins with her, and she suggested that she pick the lock instead of me. As we entered the dull gray school, we decided that only two of us should go in at a time. Evie and Marcus, my other friend, volunteered to go in. I told Evie not to go in first, and instead I offered to go in with Marcus. Evie refused this offer as she was stubborn as a house when she wanted to be. They entered the building and made their way down the long, twisted corridor until they were out of sight. Half an hour later, Evie came running out, looking petrified, and I asked her if she was okay. She replied in a panicked voice, No! Then she said, Marcus disappeared into thin air. We were walking down the corridor. As we reached the hall in the moonlight of the window, we saw a shadow looking down on us. Then we heard a noise as if the moon was howling out in pain. Then I looked next to me, and Marcus had vanished. Evie stopped talking. Me and Marcus's brother Jake decided to go inside. I told Evie to wait here as she was traumatized enough already, but she insisted that she would come as she did not feel safe to be alone by herself now. Chapter 2 As we all went inside, we heard a blood-curdling scream come from the hall. As we entered the hall, we looked around and saw nothing except a piece of paper in the middle of the floor. We cautiously went over to it, and it read, Investigate, but you will die a tragic death. I asked Evie where she was when Marcus disappeared. She went and stood where she was when it happened and said, He was to the right of me. I went behind the space where Marcus disappeared. I kneeled, and I tapped the floor next to it, and then tapped the floor in the space in which he had vanished. Jake said it was a trap door as he knew the difference between the two sounds. Then Evie said, I heard a sound like that before Marcus disappeared. And I asked, how long had he been standing in place before he disappeared? And Evie whispered, At least five seconds. Evie and I agreed that there must be another entrance to the basement of the school. We started to look around the school for an entrance. We got to the teacher's lounge and we saw a suspicious-looking cupboard that happened to be locked. All the teachers thought that there was no basement. We decided to let Evie pick the lock open. Once the lock was open, we heard someone unlock the school doors. After that, we ran for our lives out the teacher exit. We got home and thought, what would a teacher be doing here at 2 a.m. on a Saturday in the summer holidays? We decided to go back later that night and investigate some more. Later that day, we all had lunch at McDonald's and then went swimming. After a few hours of swimming, we decided to talk about the matter at hand. We decided tonight, they would go back to the place and see what was in the cupboard. For dinner, we had curly fries and chickpea burgers. We had pudding, which was tiramisu. Amelia's mom asked, Where's Marcus? And we replied, He went home because he felt sick. Chapter 3 After dinner, we headed back to the school and went inside the teacher's lounge. We picked the lock again and looked inside. It was a staircase that led downwards. We decided to cautiously go down as a group. 
When we reached the basement, it looked like a lab. We saw lots of bubbling experiments as we walked further in. We saw a cell underneath the trap door. We saw a skeleton of a male adult dismantled in the corner of the cell. Then we saw the most terrifying sight. It was a dead body covered in dark, wet, dripping blood connected to tubes. The bloody body was sliced in half along the stomach. Then I realized it was Marcus. Chapter 4 We ran home terrified as the thunder roared and the wind raged. My friends had gone home. I was all by herself. I arrived at home and looked out the window while sitting on the window seat, wrapped in a soft, fuzzy blanket, staring at the rage of the storm. Lightning flashed as it did, so I saw a shadowy figure. The lightning flashed again, and the figure had vanished into the night. Meanwhile, at Jake's house, his parents asked where Marcus was. Jake wanted to cover it up as long as possible, and also so he could think of a way to tell them without them killing him. So he told them... Marcus went to a movie with the others. The parents asked, Why didn't you go with them, Jake? He replied, I have a headache. Evie was sitting in her house, thinking about her lost friend, and thinking about the funeral, because her parents are funeral directors. She was waiting for Jake's signal when suddenly, she heard a bang when her parent dropped a cheese grater. Chapter 5 Finally, Jake fessed up to his parents, and they screamed in shock. They decided to plan the funeral with Evie's parents. The End Watch out for the next book in the Haunted Mystery series, Book 2, A New Beginning. Thanks so much for joining me for another annual Halloween episode. Again, written for kids by kids. I hope you all have a wondrous Halloween. I hope you get lots of treats and not so many tricks. Again, thank you to my authors, Liana, Sienna, Danica, Remy, Ella, Sully, Jensen, Jensen again, Desmond, Paige, Aiden, Evie, Millie, Harry, and Lila. Thank you so much for sharing with me and my listeners your beautiful view into the world of horror. I can't wait to see what you come up with next year. By the way, we have several returning authors this year, and it has been a joy to watch you grow and just get, I mean, frankly, scarier and scarier as the years go on. Keep it up, and I will see you again next year. And remember, drink your water. Go get some sleep, and happy Halloween! Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object Class Euclid Keter Special containment procedures. Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. <laughs>
Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.